Brittany Ross, and I play the fiddle. I'm Catherine Flincham, and I play the pipe. And together, we are Fiddle and Pipe. Two classical musicians who are reading and discussing topics beyond the staff. So grab a book, take a seat, and tune in. I am recording. I'm also recording. Did you want to Zoom record? Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. That's what I'm here for. Thank you. I know, that's why I put on makeup this morning, because I was like, you know what, I should probably put some makeup on if we're going to record this. And I'm here in my pajamas. <laughs> to be fair, you are getting over a sickness, the sickness. You're getting down with the sickness right now. but And the period. And the period. <laughs> yeah, the two worst sicknesses you can have. I was there last week, so I feel your pain. Uh, and we're also right in the middle of Gigmas, so it's just the best time for anything to happen. It's the most wonderful time of the year. At least we're making money. I know, right? That's true. Very, very true. <laughs> Speaking of making money, Matt Haig made money writing the comfort book. He did, which we read on this podcast, Fiddle and Pipe. I'm Brittany Ross. Yes. With a messed up voice. That's Catherine Flincham with her beautiful, not sick voice and her made up face and just looking like so hot to trot. You're hot too. But I'm thinking that in the literal sense because you probably have a little fever going on, maybe? No, I'm actually, I I, I shook the sickness off Good. like a few days ago. It's just like... I was in, like, that yucky drainage part, Ugh. and just, like, a lot of crap got in my throat, and I've just been, like, clearing my throat a lot, and I think that messed up my voice a little bit, so I'm still kind of in that mm-hmm. phase, but yeah, perfectly healthy. Drink that tea. Just gulp it down. It's too hot. <laughs> or, like, again, gurgle salt water. If you have, like, an itchy, scratchy throat, gurgle warm salt water. I swear. Mm-hmm. I know it sounds weird, but I did that a lot last year when I was sick helped i had to do that when i got my tonsils taken out when i was a kid oh you got your tonsils taken out (gasps) yeah i used to have like chronic ear infections as a kid so i was one of those people who had to yeah apparently there's something to do if you get like really bad and frequent ear infections if you take out your tonsils it like reduces your likelihood of you getting ear infections somehow interesting i did not know this i don't know how they're correlated but they are the body is a amazing thing you learn something new yeah and speaking of learning something new uh we should probably get back to your transition of the comfort book we need to feel comforted and we hope that you guys feel comfort too this holiday season this time of year can definitely be a rough time it can be we have a lot of musicians who listen to this podcast and a lot of teachers who listen to this podcast and it is hard for both those professions right now with school coming to an end, all the testing, oh. entering in, all the crap, like the grades. Cramming in concerts, like getting your, if you're like a music teacher, cramming in like your kids to get all the music for this concert and like, okay, mm-hmm. guys, we can do this. You can do this. And then if you're like an actual, I, mean, I guess not an actual, but if you're a freelance musician, if this is when you make, you know, a decent chunk of your yearly income mm-hmm. just doing all the gigs. All the gigs. And even if you're not, 
one of these people, you still have to deal with your family getting gifts, holiday events that you probably don't want to go to, but you might want to go to. Being at a crowded grocery store because they're all trying to find food for their holiday parties and you're like, I just want to get out of the store. Why is everybody here? Everyone's like, I need a turkey for my Thanksgiving or not Thanksgiving. <laughs> Thanksgiving. Christmas? <laughs> Same holiday. For my Christmas dinner, and you're just like, I just need a box of cereal. Exactly. Exactly. I just need food for my cat. Thank you. <laughs> I just want a 10-minute shopping trip, not a 10-minute wait in line, okay? That's all I want. At least Chick-fil-A has their peppermint milkshakes out now. I don't like peppermint things. What's wrong with you? <laughs> no, if they had like a gingerbread milkshake or like a, a sugar cookie christmas milkshake you would like their last seasonal milkshake milkshake so they made an autumn spice milkshake Ooh. and it tastes like they have like crumpled up pieces of like like cinnamon or like snickerdoodle or Ooh. some kind of like cinnamon cookie it's good Ooh, like a snicker yeah okay Ooh, that sounds really good but also when did they start having seasonal milkshakes I also don't get milkshakes when I go to Chick-fil-A. They, it was just new this year. Oh, it's this, it's, this is like a this year thing. Okay. Yeah, it's like a this year thing. <sighs> Their milkshakes are really good, though. And, you know, also the soft serve ice cream, too, is really good. <sighs> I don't get soft serve ice cream at places. If you get it at Chick-fil-A, like the cone, the ice cream cone, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. ice cream, it's like basic vanilla. It tastes like it's homemade. I know it's not homemade, but it kind of feels right. like that authenticity like this is from your mama's fridge and their machines actually work on like mcdonald's yes 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 i will say one of my favorite desserts is an oreo mcflurry though something that just about soft serve ice cream mm. and oreo chunks thrown in just is really reminiscent of my childhood Nate, like a big chunk with the cream inside still yes wow okay <laughs> we need to <laughs> We are really feeling comforted with foods here. <laughs> but I mean, that kind of correlates to the book because, okay, I didn't realize though last night, maybe we should just get into this book because. Let's do it. So there are lists that Matt Heeg writes in this book. Is that how you pronounce his name, by the way? I think it's Haig, Heeg? Oof, I don't know. Maybe we should look this up. He's British. Like, I, as I was reading through the pages, I was like, wow, like, is he American or is he British? He's British. Haig. Matt Haig. So when you were texting me yesterday about the lists, because we made some lists ourselves, and I knew that there was, like, the movie and the music one. I think I remember those two because I recognized, like, titles and, like, of songs and films. I don't remember mm-hmm. the book list because I didn't really care about the books that he liked. <laughs> And then the food thing, though, got me. How did you figure out the food thing? Because I was like, what are you talking about with the food? In part one, he had a section that was just about how comforting eating and making hummus is. And then he had another section about uh, peanut butter on toast. That's the only section where he has, like, different titles named after food. I think I wrote it down. Mm -hmm. He had, like, hummus, toast, pear, pasta. Yeah. Um, peanut butter toast, mm-hmm. pizza. I think that's it. But I was sitting mm-hmm. there and I was like, oh, okay. Like, I didn't realize that until this morning when I was going over my notes. 
And I yeah. was like reading through and I'm like, wow, this is like a puzzle. This is cool. So this book is divided into four parts. Mm-hmm. This episode is part one and part two. Uh, next week will be part three and part four. Even though like it all blends together. It does. But each part kind of has like its own theme. Mm-hmm. I can't wait until next episode where we could talk about what we think about the book. I agree with you. I could definitely tell like there was a different theme for each part, but I I think the hardest thing about that was like defining like what is the theme. I kind of named the themes myself. I actually didn't take notes on this book. I noted sections that I liked or that resonated with me, but it's it's all very similar and I feel like this book just generally has vibes of things that make you feel good or how to get from a tough place to an okay place. Mm -hmm. So I didn't really take notes because it's sort of written in an essay style where it has a title and then the blurb can be anywhere from like a line to like two pages. Mm -hmm. So I didn't really feel a need to take notes because like nothing's really chronological or anything, but I did name the parts. How did you name them? I'm curious. I named uh, part one birth. I named part two water, part three is fire, and part four is resolution. Ooh, I like that. Because that actually makes sense. I think those were his themes, too. We can ask him. (laughs) He has an Instagram. Why don't you give him a DM? Oh, God. You run our Instagram. You ask him. Well, you're the one that came up with the themes. (laughs) Oh, God. Do you not have names for the sections? No, I did put down, like, I think how I did it, like, I divided it up as part one, two, three, four, and then within each section, like, I have different colored tabs, because I was like, I need to be oh, organized here. I should have done that. I recycle my tabs, though. <gasps> um, it, It's so helpful to do that, because I just, like, I was like, oh, I have all these colored tabs, let me just, like, organize it. But mm-hmm. how I did it was, when I was, like, reading through, if something, like, kind of resoluted to me, I just kind of, like, took a sticker put on there, kept reading. And then when I went over my notes, I kind of just like looked at all the ones that I put a sticker on and kind of divided up into like categories. Um, With part one, I put like, these are the notes that I feel like are related to hope. These are notes that I feel like are related to loving yourself and accepting yourself. These are notes that hit me well with my depression. I also divided a category with the list. Yeah, it's kind of ironic that I feel like we read this right after everything is fucked. Because yes! that book was about hope, and I feel like this book was a better book about hope. Yes, it was! <laughs> I even put it down in my notes. The first blurb we get, baby. Can I read it? Mm-hmm. All right. Is it Brittany's a sexy baby? <laughs> Brittany is a sexy baby. It's Brittany, bitch. It's Brittany, bitch. <laughs> Brittany, bitch. Hit me, baby, one more time. Wow. My loneliness is killing me and I, I must confess, I still believe, still believe. Why are you so late? Come in on time, Kathy. What are you talking about? I'm on time. Girl, listen to this when you do the Zoom recording. There's going to be a pause. Nuh-uh. I'm going to look at the Zoom video and see how it records. (laughs) Trust you. (laughs) Anyway, read your damn quote. All right. Baby. Imagine yourself as a baby. You would... (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. (laughs) Is that... Does does David just say baby and you're like, yeah? (laughs) No. 
We call Lacey baby, so when I think of baby, I think of Lacey. Yeah, we call Bartok baby boy, so. He is a baby. Love him. Should not summon him, though. Anyway, read your quote. I won't interrupt you. I'm sorry. Just don't look at me. I won't look at you. Have, like, horse blinders on. (laughs) (laughs) My peripherals. Oh, wait. Imagine yourself as a baby. You would look at that baby and think they lacked nothing. That baby came complete. Their value was innate from their first breath. Their value did not depend on external things like wealth or appearance or politics or popularity. It was the infinite value of a human life. And that value stays with us, even as it becomes easier to forget it. We stay precisely as alive and precisely as human as we were the day we were born. The only thing we need is to exist and to hope. And literally, I was sitting there and I'm like, this is better, like, said than what Mark Manson wrote in that whole book. Yeah, whatever the fuck that book was. I don't think... We didn't plan on those two books, like... We had this recently happen, too, didn't we, where... It was Atomic Habits and Do Nothing. We did this, where we scheduled Atomic Habits and then we did Do Nothing between them. And they, like, worked mm-hmm. really well together. And now we have Everything yeah. is Fucked in this book. And I'm like... We, I don't think we even thought about this, like... No, we didn't. Working out. Uh, the Midnight Library is on our list to read. Yes. And I remember I was pushing... I've read it before. You have not. And mm-hmm. I was pushing to read that first and then read this because I thought that this was more of a memoir. So I was like, let's read his book and then read his memoir. But you were like, no, it's the comfort book. Like, let's read it for the holidays. And I'm like, fine. <laughs> That's like our meetings. That's how our meetings go. <laughs> I almost, like, snorted out my coffee. (laughs) I'm good. Are you sure? I'm dandy. Maybe we should wait until the next episode to see how you feel about that. Like, how you feel us reading the comfort book first, and then the Midnight Library. But yeah, part one. I have, like, more notes on part one than I do on the other parts, too. Part one really resonated with me, and I think part three really resonated with me. There were different moments, but I really think I resonated a lot with, mainly with parts that had to deal with, like, his depression, which I think I, I think what I really liked about this book is that he was kind of open about how he felt about some things with his depression, like... I guess uh, we didn't say this at the beginning of this episode, but we should say at the beginning of the next episode, content warning for anxiety, depression, and suicidal... Mm-hmm thoughts, ideation, etc. There what I really liked is that he, there were moments where there's like one note that's like talking about for instance this is Valley on page 23 where he's talking mm-hmm. about like your lowest part of your like depression like like how valleys are like the lowest part in a mountain range. Yeah. And then like the next essay or note is some which kind of kind of is related to what Valley is. And so I really liked mm-hmm. how he kind of links some stuff like that together. He does that later on in certain parts of the book. I think what I really liked is that when we're like at our lowest point, we don't really see a way out at all. Like if you think about it, and I think about it a lot because I'm next to the Rocky Mountains, they're huge. When you're at a point where it's like right next to the mountain and you're at a really low point, you can't really see anything like past that mountain, past that, like, rocky cliff. And it's kind of, like, terrifying. And I felt that a lot this year when in my own depression when I was at my lowest point. It was terrifying. And it was just kind of like, how am I going to get out of this? Right. And I think that really resonated with me because he, he was really open and honest about, like, you know, it's okay that you feel this way if you are feeling this way. 
it's normal to feel this way. There is a way to get out. There is hope and to get out of this. I tried to do some research on him, and but I couldn't really find that much. But apparently he had like a full um, mental breakdown when he was 24. He has like panic disorder and depression. And I think he said like some some stuff happened in his like personal life. Yeah, he said like he was like suicidal during that point in his time in his life. Like I follow him on the fiddle and pipe Instagram on Inst- mm-hmm. I follow him and he also said that he just came out as autistic. Hmm. It sounded like there was like he's definitely been through some personal stuff mm-hmm. in his life. And this book is a really good example of that, I think. I don't know if the Midnight Library it's more of a fiction book, right? It's fantasy. Yeah, it's like fantasy fiction, okay. but it's very good. Uh, I guess I can say this without spoiling anything. The basic premise of it is that the main character has a shitty life and she tries to kill herself. Instead of dying, she goes to this place called the Midnight Library where she reads books that are basically like alternative like lives for her in parallel dimensions. Like if something Mm. happened, then this would have been her life. If this other thing happened, then this would have been her life. So it does talk about mental health and it talks about why life is the way it is like it's very it's very philosophical book i haven't read any of kurt vonnegut's stuff but i've seen it compared to kurt vonnegut's writings like apparently it's pretty similar to like slaughterhouse five and cat's cradle Hmm. i don't even think i've heard of this author either he's like a famous oldie author oldie time author you really think that i paid attention in english that much in high school, no. <laughs> I only paid attention to Britlet, and that was my senior year because it was a really fun year, and my teacher was really engaging. The last three years before that, not so great. <laughs> You're like, I never read a word. My junior year, my teacher was really nice to my class because we were the first class, and she would give us Krispy Kreme donuts and coffee Ooh. or hot Ooh. chocolate. Yeah, Ooh. right? And then I think she would do it to the same for her second period class, which was like... I think another, it was like a different grade, but then apparently mm-hmm. she hated everybody else because everybody else like oh. had her in the afternoon and they're like, oh, she yelled at us. And I'm like, oh, she gives us like coffee. What? <laughs> and donuts. <laughs> I did All I remember is uh, the crucible. And that's it. I don't really remember anything else. I didn't like Britlet. I feel like my teacher made everything sound too flowery and it was just like. Y'all realize, like, for most of the time, the British literature that we studied, like, they were literally pouring shit in the streets. But that's okay. We'll just overlook all of that. We'll overlook all of that. One part that he talks about in part one that I really enjoyed was a blurb titled Rock. Yes! I love that blurb, too! I have it in my notes. What page is that? Uh, 30. Yes. The best thing about Rock Bottom is the rock part. You discover the solid bit of you, the bit that can't be broken down further, the thing you might sentimentally call a soul. At our lowest, we find the solid ground of our foundation and we build ourselves anew. There have definitely been a few points in my life. One incident was uh, something traumatic happened to me as a kid and I felt like I hit rock bottom, but I was 10, so I didn't really know what rock bottom was. But I realized after the fact it was. And then also during COVID, there was just a bunch of stuff going on. David was struggling with his mental health. I was struggling with my mental health. We both lost a lot of income from work. And I remember there was a point where I had a panic attack because I 
didn't know where David was. Like, he just didn't. Like, he was out with friends, and uh, I thought he would be home by that point, and he wasn't. And then he just wasn't texting me back because he was talking to his friends. Um, and I had a panic attack, and I was just like, that's when I realized my mental health wasn't good. It was just really interesting because after that point, I was just like, okay, these are the aspects of me that are, like, still here. And this is what I can build off of. And that's what he talks about, too, in I think it's Valley, that you kind of, like, get to the bare bones of, like, who you are and you can build up from that foundation. I completely, like, like feel what you felt because I felt that this year, like, being at my lowest, like had, like, the worst panic attack that I've ever, like, experienced to the point where it was just, like, I was alone and I was, like, I shouldn't be alone. And mm-hmm. I, like, I was – it was, like, after I was – I just finished working at my job and I just had a bad day. I was feeling really shitty mentally. I was just having this crisis that I was, like, I'm stuck and I'm not enjoying my life the way that I want to enjoy it. And I am just angry right. all the time at people. I'm stressed out all the time. I'm not listening to myself or – anybody caring about anyone I was just angry it got to the point where like after I like had my panic attack and everything like that I kind of like sat alone for a little bit and thought and then I talked it over with Woody a little bit and just talking over like how can I can change things what can Mm -hmm. I do to make things different for myself to not be in this place and that's what I did I like quit my job and I got another job that I love Instead of focusing on outer things, like, that are pretty trivial, I guess, to me, like, now. And you can't control. Yeah, I can't control. I'm more, like, I feel happier being focused with, like, my relationship and focused on, like, you know, I don't have to go out all the time. I can stay in and, you know, take care of myself and get rest, and that's okay, and I'm going to be okay. Part one, I feel like, was this is the point that you're at and how to reconcile with that. That, You basically said it. I'm trying to, like, think of words and I'm still, I need, this is why I need a second cup of coffee and I'm going to get that for the second part. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But I definitely understand, like, where you're coming from with the rock part. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, like, why, like, there's certain parts of this book that really, like, I sat there and I'm like, I really like this because I feel this. I felt this before. And this is, it's comforting. Forgot what I was, like, I've never struggled with, uh, like, suicidal ideation. I thankfully don't struggle from depression, but I do have anxiety. But there have been a few points in my life where I have panic attacks and they are awful. Like, terrible and the one that I told you about was probably like the worst one I've ever had and I was literally like sitting on my kitchen floor like crying and hyperventilating and I felt like I was just losing my shit it was awful and it's amazing what can set it off because like nothing needs to happen to set them off for me it could be like if I'm really stressed out it could be like the tiniest thing like Mm -hmm. someone asking me to do something like hey can you do this I'd be like oh my fucking god no and I like Mm -hmm. I will freak out or if it's like even something out of my control happens like I've had moments this year where I've definitely been high stress and really just a bomb can go off any moment kind of like Mm -hmm. that would happen to me a lot and I would have like the water go out example and I would just like freak out and be like be back at that place again because I would be thinking like oh my god if I can't like if the water's out I can't do this I can't do this I can't do this and I need to do this I need to like have this so I can stay in control of this and like keep my schedule going and it would just like 
yeah. There were a couple of little blurbs in this section too that I also really liked that were talking about what life is not. Because I feel like we all have an idea of like what our lives should be and what direction we should be heading, especially mm-hmm. people in our age group who are millennials coming out of COVID, you know, we're hitting 30 or around 30 and we imagine our lives being at a certain point and they're just not like, honestly, I'm going to be 30 in five months from yesterday. And I, you know, back pre-COVID and everything, I wanted to have kids by now. I wanted my life to be in a different direction than it is currently. And obviously, like, COVID's affected that drastically. There have been other events in my life, other factors that I can't control or plan for that have affected where I imagined my life would be. And it's interesting because I have kind of changed my life ambition. That's why it's really important that I'm doing this marathon before I'm 30. So I feel like at some point you need to like reconcile what your life really is with what you always thought it should be. And he has these sections where he's talking about what life is not. Let me find it. Is it page 54 where it says life is and then life is not? Because I wrote that down too in my yes. notes. <laughs> we probably liked a lot of the same things. I think we did. So before he's talking about ladders and how everyone just basically sees life as you're always trying to like scale to the next best next best thing you're always trying to move upward whether it's moving upward in your job moving forward in life going to like increase your property value having kids etc we view life as like a series of steps or like rungs on a ladder and he said life is not a ladder to climb a puzzle to solve a key to find a destination to reach a problem to fix Life is understood backward, but it must be lived forward by Soren Kierkegaard. I feel like that's like Danish or Swedish, Norwegian, somewhere up in the Scandinavian area. It got one of them O's with the slash through it, so. Very Scandinavian. <laughs> yeah. But I, I really enjoyed that part. And Me then too. there was another one that tied along with it called A Few Don'ts. Don't envy things you wouldn't actually want. Don't absorb criticism from people you wouldn't want to go to for advice. Don't fear missing parties you would probably want to leave. Don't worry about fitting in. Be your own tribe. Don't argue with people who will never understand you. Don't believe anyone has it all figured out. Don't imagine there is any amount, or sorry, there is an amount of money or success or fame that could insulate you from pain. Don't think there is a type of face or job or relationship that safeguards happiness. Don't say yes to things you wish you had the confidence. He's like a pretty way with words. He does. What he, like, has these, like, don't envy things you wouldn't actually want. Like, he was kind of, like, putting these sentences, you are enough, you are worth this, all yeah. that. It's it's really simple, but it also is, like, inspirational at the same time, I would say. Or just, like, comforting. I feel like inspirational is, like, the weirdest word, and I want to say comforting instead. Yeah, it's just nice. It is. Like, this book just felt like dental floss for my brain (laughs) and i enjoyed it (laughs) that's cute dental floss for your brain i felt like my brain was being gently washed (laughs) gently washed (laughs) like my brain was getting a sponge bath there was one thing i wanted to point out it's on page 60 or 59 actually and it's called no 
And he kind of does the same thing that we talked about with don't, but he says, no, no, I don't want to. No, I don't want to write that article for free. No, I am not on for Tuesday. (laughs) No, I don't want another drink. No, I don't agree with you on that, actually. No, I can't always snap out of it. No, I wasn't rude when I didn't get back to a message I never saw. No, if it's okay, I don't want to collaborate with you. No, I am not dumbing down. No, I can't do any dates in July. No, I don't want your leaflet. (laughs) No, I don't want to continue watching. No, my niceness is not weakness. No, they aren't the next Beatles. No, I'm not going to take that crap. No, my my masculinity does not mean I shouldn't cry. No, I don't need to buy what you're selling. No, I'm not ashamed to make you make time for myself. No, I'm not going to to your school reunion when you never spoke to me at school. True. Mood. <laughs> also how I feel when people try to sell me knives. <laughs> Pyramid schemes. Yes. MLMs. No, I will no longer apologize for being myself. True. No. Mm-hmm. No is a good word. It keeps you sane. In an age of overload, no is really yes. It is yes to having the space you need to live. I loved that little paragraph because it kind of reminds me of like... As, and we've talked about it multiple times, but, like, saying no to free gigs or free things yeah. you get asked to for music stuff. Because, like... You don't do that. Yeah. you're If you're saying yes to those free things and it's stressing you out and not benefiting your life, then obviously mm-hmm. you're going to feel crappy. Right. It's not going to make your... Like, it's not going to make things better. But when you say no to those free gigs, it creates space for you to get asked to do gigs that will pay. And that will mm-hmm. value you. And so mm-hmm. I thought that was a really interesting take. Because at first I was like having to sit there and be like, wait, it's a yes? And then I'm like, oh, it makes sense. It's a yes for you to, you know, thrive and live and be yourself. <laughs> yeah. It's a yes for you. He said this about hope. And I guess going back to what you were saying at the beginning, I thought this this was summed up a lot better than yes. the last book that we read. This is in somewhere. Yeah. To feel hope, you don't need to be in a great situation. You just need to understand that things will change. Hope is available to all. You don't need to deny the reality of the present in order to have hope. You just need to know that the future is uncertain and that life contains light as well as dark. We can have our feet right where we are while our minds can hear another octave right over the rainbow. We can be half inside the present, half inside the future, half in Kansas, half in Oz. I liked that. It it did remind me, though, of, like, some of the stories that Mark Manson talked about with Hope. Like, some of the, the examples, like, what's his name? I forgot his name. The World War II guy that, like, went into the Nazi camp at Auschwitz. Mark Manson's, like, saying he had hope of yeah. some sort. And, like, it, even in, like, the darkest of situations. And, like, this is definitely related to that. This is really, ugh, really like an inception moment that we like read those two books together. Yeah, I mean, we are a lot smarter than we give ourselves credit for, I think. Yeah, we don't really. <laughs> we totally knew this. Totally. In this book, like throughout, like it's really random too. So throughout the book, like he kind of like has a note and it's like music that gives me comfort. And he has like a playlist. And I actually, if you guys ever want to, I can probably find a link and put it on Instagram or something. Or maybe in the show notes. But I took the playlist that he made or, like, that he wrote down and I made it a Spotify playlist 
Um, <laughs> of course you did. He really, like, and I, as I was, like, adding these songs and I was listening to it as I read, I was sitting there and I'm like, I really feel like he was into 80s, like, teen movies. Like, he definitely was an 80s kid, it seems like. I think he was definitely yeah. into, like, The Breakfast Club, Pretty in Pink, all that. And it made sense. We'll talk about that in the next episode. But mm-hmm. should I, like, name the some of the songs here or no? Go for it. All right. Oh, Child by the Five Stair Steps. Here Comes the Sun by the Beatles. Dear Theodosia. Is that how you say it by Hamilton? You've seen Hamilton more than I have. I've saw Hamilton once. Oh. But you, like, memorize the songs more than I do. Anyway. Some of them. <laughs> Don't Worry Baby, The Beach Boys. Somewhere Over the Rainbow by Judy Garland. A Change is Gonna Come, Sam Cooke. The People, Common, featuring Dwelle? Might have pronounced that wrong. The Boys of Summer, Don Henley, California, Joni Mitchell. I could not find this song on Spotify, by the way. Hmm. Weird. Anyway. Secret Garden, Bruce Springsteen. You Make It Easy, Air. These Dreams, Heart. True Faith, New Order. If You Leave, OMD. Ivy and Swim Good by Frank Ocean. Stepping Out, Joe Jackson. Paste Du from The Nutcracker by Tchaikovsky, which also fitting for the holiday season, if you guys mm-hmm. want to listen to that playlist. Triggered. <laughs> <laughs> if I Could Change Your Mind by Haim. <clears throat> Space Cowboy, Casey Musgraves. Hounds of Love by Kate Bush, or the Future Heads version if you're into that. Enjoy the Silence, Depeche Mode. I love that song. I Won't Let You Down, PhD. Just Like Heaven, The Cure, Promised Land, Joe Smooth. Very interesting list, but yeah, very 80s-esque, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, the songs were probably my longest list. I didn't put too much thought into this, so this is just what I thought of off the top of my head. I also got Here Comes the Sun and Hey Jude by the Beatles. Uh, the Middle by Jimmy Eat World. Ah. Uh, Firework by Katy Perry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love, no, okay, I'll, I'll get to that in a moment. <laughs> uh, Shake It Off by Taylor Swift. Oh, yes. Um, A Praise Chorus by, uh, Jimmy Eat World. Closing Time by, who sings that? Sammy Sonic? I think so. You know that song. Closing I know that song. Time. You know how uh, I know that, though? Hmm. <laughs> There's an episode on The Office where Andy's the manager, yeah. and he plays that every single ending of the shift, and everyone's just, like, I know sick of it. Want to take me home. David and I got into an argument because I thought that should have been that last song at our wedding, and he didn't, and I was pissed. And I was like, it's literally, like, perfect for that. It's like... <laughs> Wait, what was the last song then? I don't remember. Do you remember? I was, I was drunk. I don't remember. <laughs> no. <laughs> I think it was um, Living on a Prayer. I, I could see that. Did we play Firework at your wedding? Most likely we probably did. Probably. Which also reminds me of, and I'm just going to like say it, it reminds me of the film that... Seth Rogen and James Franco made about North Korea like a few years back and everyone was like yeah don't show it on Netflix and they did anyway because that song is like a highlighted song for the climax and that's all mm-hmm. I think about now when I think of firework it's so funny <laughs> till I collapse by Eminem ah. more than a feeling by Boston and then Battle of Evermore Led Zeppelin I literally did not put that many songs I did like a small list <laughs> I kept adding, and I was like, I need to stop. I'll share mine. I know, like, I just, like, kind of based it off, like, what I've been listening to mostly, like, lately, I guess. And my list is all Taylor Swift. (laughs) (laughs) 
She's not wrong. <laughs> anyway, um, so movement one, symphony number three in C major by Jean or Jean Sibelius. Is that how you say his name? I'm not familiar with Sibelius three. Like, I think one time I was just like listening to Sibelius symphonies because I was just like mm-hmm. bored. And mm-hmm. I was listening to a whole album, the third symphony, the first movement. There's like a melody in the cello section that just like, oh, it just like, it, it just like pulls my heartstrings. It's so beautiful. That's da, not the one that we played at Kennesaw, is it? No, that was number seven that you guys played, I think, or five. Mm. Yeah, the third symphony that the melody just like kind of, oh, the string melody that you hear in the beginning just oof, gets me. So sometimes I wish I played a string instrument, but then I realize I'm a woodwind player for a reason. I mean, we don't need to breathe. <laughs> I, I do. So <laughs> my next song is Lovely Day by Bill Weathers. I love that song. Then I have Perfect Day by Hoku. <laughs> don't ask oh. why. <laughs> this is feeling a little bit, you know, 2000s-esque. <laughs> breathe by Michelle Branch. About Damn Time by Lizzo. Mm -hmm. Willow by Taylor Swift. I love this time of year, and I think this is a Willow Evermore season, y'all. So it's Evermore time. (laughs) And Midnight's time. Anytime I listen to the Midnight's album, too, at night, it's comforting. I Am Mm -hmm. Every Woman by Whitney Houston. Uh, Signed, Sealed, Delivered by Stevie Wonder. That is my comfort playlist right now. I'm surprised it's not more Taylor Swift. Well, I like to listen to different music. (laughs) anything comforting also like a good jazz playlist too in the morning just something comforting jazz like i like to listen to that sometimes when i'm reading a book when i'm cooking dinner making putting on makeup Mm -hmm. great yeah what is our comfort food so i guess for we already mentioned the ones that that haig mentioned so what what are your comfort Mm -hmm. foods my relationship with food is i view food like purely as utilitarian i eat to survive so it (laughs) (laughs) that's true we all have to but uh, a lot of people have comfort foods and i don't really have any obvious comfort foods so it took me a second to figure out what mine are lacroix oh my god (laughs) i don't usually seek comfort in food there's foods i like more than other foods but normally i'm just like i'm doing this because i need to live yeah like if i could just not (laughs) eat for my whole life and still live i would do that because you do photosynthesis or something eating and sleeping are a waste of time (laughs) i'm just saying so (laughs) Brittany is a robot (laughs) so with that in mind uh my comfort foods are cheese and crackers Mm. hot drinks especially a cup of tea at night i love having a cup of tea at night cup of calm by um i think it's traditional medicinals is so, so good any dinner that David makes completely and I don't have to make. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Chick-fil-A milkshakes. Ah, as we learned this morning. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what are yours? Are yours more straightforward than mine? Yes. <laughs> okay. But I do have comfort foods. And I think this time of year, because like... It gets really cold in Colorado, even though, like, the sun comes out and you can, like, walk out, like, in 20 degrees and it's kind of, like, nice and warm in the sun. Mm-hmm. It's still pretty cold. Like, I turn off my heat for a reason, okay? But anyway, right. when I am cozy in a sweatshirt and I am hungry, this is what I want. Bananas. One. Always a banana. I find comfort in a banana, okay? <laughs> Potassium. It's good for you. Hot coffee. Especially when I wake up and if I have, like... An easy morning where I can, like, sit down, 
and like hang out with Lacey. I love having a hot cup of coffee and snuggling in my blanket. It's great. Mm-hmm. It's a good time. Even when I'm up here in my loft, it's a good time. Anything that's a warm bread, any warm bread in the world. So it could be like a dinner roll that's super warm. Any warm bread in the world. <laughs> yeah. A dinner roll from O'Charlie's that I remember you ruined for me. Wait, how did I ruin it for you? You told me that it was oh. not that. <laughs> the bread at O'Charlie's is so good. They're basically, do they just sit in, like, a bread warmer all day? And I people know. get, like, tongs and, like, pull them out and they, like, flap them around and then they, like, they throw them in the thing with the butter. That's, that's the only reason to go to O'Charlie's in the first place. Like, that's the only reason why I would agree to go is because I was like, at least I'm getting bread. That's how I ruined it for you. Yes. It's telling you behind the scenes. <laughs> behind the scenes action. I mean, like, I saw it at Pizza Hut, so. Mm. Do you still eat Pizza Hut? What do you wanted it last night? And I was like, no. <laughs> Actually, I feel like Pizza Hut would have been a better option last night than the crappy Mexican food that we got. So very like, flavorless Mexican food too, by mm. by the way. Flavorless. And it had a 4.3 on Google. Mm-hmm. Wrong. 2.0. Anyway, for f- no flavor. <laughs> you have some strong feelings. But anything warm bread. Even if I make like a pumpkin bread here at my home or a banana bread, anything bread. It could be like a little quick bread. It could be a muffin bread. It could be a dinner roll. I just love bread. Texas toast. I love bread. That's the only reason why I to go to Cane's. <laughs> so. And then my last one, and you're going to be really disappointed in me, but can we please go to Zaxby's when I see you? Yes, we can go to Zaxby's. Because <laughs> fried chicken is my comfort food. Is that really your comfort food? I like fried chicken. Okay. Like, it's good. I used to not like fried chicken, and I think now me being in Colorado, that fried chicken nostalgia has just come back. Also a soup. Soup is good, too. Soup is good. Potato soup, broccoli soup, probably and cheese soup. Uh, and then the last one is books. I don't know why I have to be so difficult. I normally don't reread books. I'm usually someone who just, like, reads a book, and then I'm kind of done with it. So I was trying to... Th- like the next one. Yeah. Um, so there's only been a few books that I reread, which kind of made it easy and hard for me. So I had to think of books that, like, make me feel like my brain is being washed. So I thought of Harry Potter, The Hobbit, early Stephen King books, because that was my first, like, foray into horror as a preteen. Same. Even though they're newer, uh, The Midnight Library, I thought, was a brain floss kind of book. Uh, the Opposite of Butterfly Hunting, although it was a hard read, I felt like that was also like a brainwashing kind of book. It was. The Velveteen Rabbit, the kid's book, used to be my favorite book as a kid, even though it's like a sad book. But that one brings me comfort. Yeah, like for me, I was thinking about this because I feel like the books that I would always like go to, and I think this has just been a thing since I was young, always going back to mm-hmm. the Harry Potter books. I remember, like, I reread them when Woody and I broke up for a brief period of time, like, early in our relationship. I remember I read The Sorcerer's Stone, like, right after we Mm -hmm. broke up, and I was just sitting on my porch, and I'm like, I just need to focus on something else. Me focusing on that series and, like, reading on my porch or at a coffee shop, like, that whole series just got me out of a funk. So I just put, Mm -hmm. like, the entire series as, like, my comfort book. Even, like, la- I think, like, during the pandemic, too, I think I was, like, feeling really depressed because, like, I wasn't getting teaching jobs. Like, this was, like, 2020, 2021 school year. 
I wasn't getting the teaching jobs that I had before the pandemic because PPE, like, policies and everything like that. And I, th- I remember some of the schools were mostly online. So I remember just being really depressed and really stuck. And so I started rereading the Harry Potter books then, and it was comforting. And then another book that I really had, this was like my shortest list. Because again, I'm like you, I read a book and then I kind of move on to the next one. I would say maybe the Outlander series would be another comfort book, but those books are freaking like dissertations. So I haven't reread any of those. I'm on book five right now. I'm going to start book five when I go on vacation. As soon as I hit that plane at 3.05 on Saturday, I'm going to be reading Outlander and I'm going to finish it when I get back to Denver or bar Mm -hmm. the time I get back to Denver. (laughs) That is the goal. There's a memoir that I uh, that I have that I've read like more than once, and I really love the story. It's called A Sucky Love Story by Brittany Louise Taylor. Um, she's mm-hmm. a YouTuber. It's about her relationship with this guy who basically was like in the Serbian mafia, we think, and tried to like human traffic her and her their child. So, oh, very interesting story. For some reason, like it really just grabs my attention, and she's a very like wonderful personality. I love Brittany Taylor, so. Did you want to talk about part two at all? I had less notes on this section, but I do agree with you when you said water as the theme, because this was very water related. He has a section called tips for how to make a bad day better. I'm not going to read the whole thing, But it starts out like, get up, get washed, get dressed, stand up, move your body, put your phone in another room, go for a walk, stretch, place your legs against the wall, get some sunlight if there's some available. So it's just little things on how to function. I feel like I've seen blurbs like this before that are like, you know, if you're struggling with depression, like here's a couple easy things that you can do that will put you in a better mindset. Yeah, I like the river and the dam that opens up this section because I think in the river section, Mm -hmm. he talks about how except every single molecule of the river as it flows. Mm-hmm. Don't hold it in and build it up like a dam. Just let it flow, right. which I thought was really neat. I also like, it's called a human being. Your worth is you. Your worth is your presence. Your worth is right there. Your worth isn't something you earn. Your worth isn't something you buy. Your worth isn't something you gain through the status or popularity or stomach crunches or having a really chick kitchen or chic kitchen. Yeah, I mean, if it was a chick chick kitchen, you had a bunch of, like, little chickies running around, I think that is your worth. But every time I look at that word, I think chick, not chic. (laughs) Um, Anyway, your worth is your existence. You were born with worth, as all babies are, and that worth doesn't disappear simply because you have grown a little older. You are a human being. Like you are being a human. Exactly. Don't beat yourself up for being a human. I think that's what people tell me all the time when I beat myself up and I like with little Mm -hmm. flaws that I've done this like my whole life. I've done this more often. I feel like during the pandemic more often, maybe even Mm -hmm. like during grad school, I did this too with myself, but I beat myself up for the tiniest, like tiniest things. If I like see a mistake on a social media post in a picture that I can't delete, I will beat myself up for it. And then Woody will be like, why are you beating yourself up for this? It was just one mistake. You're fine. No one's going to remember. And I'm like, yes, they are. I am your, like, (laughs) I am the representative of your, like, social media presence. (sighs) And then, like, two days later, I'm over it. Yeah. But I've been, like, kind of thinking about that lately. 
when stuff like that does happen, I don't need to beat myself up for it. Like, just because that happens, it's fine. Like, I'm a human being. Mistakes happen. Let's move forward. It's part of life. You'll be okay. Exactly. Also, uh, Nietzsche was mentioned a lot here, and I kept thinking Nietzsche. (laughs) Fried rich Nietzsche. Fried rich Nietzsche. He has two sections, actually, right before the one that you read that I really like. One is 10 things that won't make you happier. One, Mm. wanting to be someone you aren't. Two, wishing you can undo a past that can't be undone. Three, taking out your hurt on people who didn't cause your hurt. Four, trying to distract yourself from pain by doing something that creates more pain. Five, being unable to forgive yourself. Six, waiting for people to understand you when they don't even understand themselves. Seven, imagining happiness is the place you reach when you get everything done. Eight, trying to control things in a universe characterized by unpredictability. Nine, avoiding painful memories by resisting a contented present. Ten, the belief that you have to be happy. Number eight, trying to control things in a universe characterized by unpredictability. That helped a lot with my anxiety when I was in grad school, because not only did I move 800 miles away from my family and David, but I moved to a place where I didn't know anyone, and honestly, my teacher was kind of an asshole. Don't like him. Didn't have a good grad school experience. Learning to focus on only things that I could control really helped alleviate some of my mental distress. So that's something that I still try to do today. And I feel like I know a lot of people that could take a lot from distracting themselves from pain, and myself included, and then taking out their hurt on people who didn't cause their hurt. It's easier to distract yourself than address issues sometimes. Didn't we talk about this and everything is fine? Probably. (laughs) This is the distractions instead of addressing the issue. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we did. Yeah, I think this book definitely simplifies it a little bit better, though. It's a better book, honestly. And then check your armor. Check your emotional armor is actually protecting you and not so heavy you can't move. I used to um, pride myself on having big walls built up, and I realized recently that's not a way to live. So Mm-mm. I like this section. This this section I felt like had less for me personally, but the nuggets that I pulled for the, from it I really enjoyed. Yeah, there are some really neat nuggets in this one. I have, like, fewer notes, but I think it's because it is a shorter section, too. Now that you mentioned the water theme, now I see. (laughs) Very watery. Yes, this is, like, where the brainwashing really starts. Yes. Do you have any other thoughts on this section, though, or the first section? No. I'm good. Are you? I'm good, too. We hope you feel comforted a little bit from what we read. I hope your brains have been nicely flossed cleaned if you want to floss it even more check it out at your local library or check out the book yourself we will continue parts three and four next week and before we go we just have to plug in a few items to remember that will comfort us so um the first thing is uh if you want to feel more comforted in a fun way where you might want to have a drink or a friendly conversation. That's Fiddle and Pipe Happy Hour for you. If you want to become a boozy book clubber and access our Happy Hour Patreon for only $3 a month, you will have that access. And if you want to become a book club bitch, well, you'll get those extra book contents. We just released Fifty Shades of Grey. We also have uh, Being Yoda, where we are joined by Matt Richards and Wendy Tabor. Here's a clip from our latest Happy Hour episode on Patreon where we are discussing all of the songs on Taylor Swift's newest album, Midnights, and we rank them 
enjoy so this album i'll be honest with you i thought this album was gonna be kind of like just like what you said more like evermore and folklore i was hoping for some ghost stories i was hoping for some hauntings i was hoping for like some more true crime murders like in Mm. nobody no crime and when i listened to this but then like okay so as i kept watching her stuff on instagram before like this album was released like she was kind of talking about her She's talking about the songs. And if you also, like, look at some of the photos that she's, like, promoting and the things that she's wearing, a lot of, like, what Taylor Swift does, and this is what I've noticed, like, with her style on Instagram, it kind of reflects the vibe of her albums Mm -hmm. or the current album that she's, like, that's being released or coming out soon. If you remember being on her Instagram when she came back to life, it was very dark. It was very, like, the color black snake-like like ooh, like i'm a i'm a evil queen it's super edgy super edgy yeah reputation lover was very pink purple blue very like cool like peace vibes mm-hmm. evermore and folklore kind of like reflected their vibes as well what i was noticing at midnight she was kind of doing the same like she was doing something different from evermore and folklore and i was like okay she has like this retro vibe going on mm-hmm. I see this happening. But then, like, the more she started talking about her songs and stuff, I was, like, beginning to, like, wonder, like, this might not be what I'm expecting. But when I first heard, like, Lavender Haze, I was honestly shocked. I was shocked with every single song. I think I was shocked in a good way, though, because I was, like, again, I think this is kind of, like, a mix between Reputation and 1989, but, like, in a darker vibe. Yeah. More, like... I'm at night. It's night. Like mm-hmm. Spongebob. At night kind of vibe. And I don't know. I really, I, I'll be honest, at night. Mm. When I heard this album, I could not sleep afterwards. I literally like had four hours of sleep. <laughs> this It was the only thing I could think about. I think every time a song played, I literally was just like, bitch, what the fuck? Like, this is so quippy. <laughs> like with certain bridges and certain melodies and rhythms that she was doing. I was just sitting there like bitch in just amazement um i love taylor swift have you seen the key and peel skit the i said bitch no No. but now i want to because it's on netflix i mean i'll just send it to you on youtube whenever i have internet up again when you get internet back do you know you know who key and peel are right oh yeah. yeah okay so they have this whole skit where they're talking about like like my wife did this and i was just like bitch you did xyz and then you're like but you said bitch right yeah yeah oh hey 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 honey how are you hey and it just gets progressively like more absurd like calling <laughs> your wife bitch in context to your friends bitch <laughs> i know and that like but literally it's not because i think taylor swift is a bitch i think it's just because like she amazes me every fucking time <laughs> oh no we're using it in like the empowering woman woman to woman bitch <laughs> yeah exactly it's what lizzo does lizzo does this yeah even one of her songs is called i love you bitch i love you bitch <laughs> this was made pre-positive bitch movement so it's just pure comedy about you know i talk shit when my wife isn't looking but the second she's there it's like oh <laughs> i'll send it to you yeah it's, it's really funny <laughs> send it to me should we go through our ranking of songs or let's do it all right oh actually we're gonna go we're gonna walk down the album right yeah, I was about, like, I, I thought you were about to say walk down the aisle. I was like, what? I mean, you've been trying to seduce me since our last recording, so. True. So we're basically just going to go down the album, and we're gonna, we made, like, a ranking of how we rated the songs. 
And we're doing the 3 a.m. edition because Taylor Swift is a very nice bitch and gave us these bonus songs. She queen bitch. Two hours after, three hours after this was released. <laughs> mm-hmm. Thanks, Taylor. We appreciate it. <laughs> Are you ready for this? Are you ready for it? Boom, boom, I'm ready for boom. it. Boom, boom, All right, boom, song boom. number one, <laughs> Lavender Haze. What did you rank it? Lavender Haze was the eighth on my list. All right. What did you think about it? Lavender Haze, uh, honestly, didn't really do much for me on my first listen through. Lavender Haze grew on me, um, but I feel like I like it more just because it, like, announces the album and it really puts you into the mindset. But I don't hate it. I mean, there's no song on this list that I hate. Same. (laughs) That's going to be the hard thing. It's like, this was hard. It's like, how do I rank this? What did you rank Lavender Haze? I ranked it a four. I really like the beat. I really like the vibe of it all. I do. I I like how it kind of starts off the album. It brings out that vibe. I want to know what the music video is like because I know she made a music video and she hasn't released it yet. Taylor, what are you doing? Oh yeah, she's been teasing the hell out of that. I'm angry. (laughs) We're around, like we're a little bit younger than Taylor Swift. Just a little bit younger. A few years younger. And I kind of like grew up with Taylor Swift. Like, I, I mean... You know, if you kind of think about Taylor Swift back in, like, mid-2000s, late-2000s, mm-hmm. like, like how you were. Like, I kind of think of myself as this awkward, innocent girl when I'm younger. And then as I get older, I'm like, oh, I'm going out. I'm partying. I'm hanging hang out with my friends. I found my, my true love. All this stuff. Mm-hmm. Now that I'm, like, 30 years old and seeing, like, Taylor Swift being like, bitch, this is Lavender Haze. I'm having fun tonight. This is me being 30. Let's have fun. I'm like, yes, I feel like a sexy lady right now. Yes, Taylor. Yeah, that's a mood. Yes, <laughs> it's a mood. Like reconciling your older self with your younger self. Yeah. Especially like Taylor Swift, especially who, because you and I don't really have a public image at all. So we no. just always like <laughs> present who we are. Taylor Swift, like some people think of her as, you know, the 14 year old who was releasing her first album. But she's not. She's a woman. Hmm? She is a hot, sexy woman. <laughs> I'm being honest. Like, I have no shame. I love Taylor. She's my wife. <laughs> How does Woody feel about that? <laughs> he doesn't know. He doesn't know. <laughs> I think he hates it. I think anytime I'm like, Taylor Swift, he's like, don't tell me. <laughs> I'm surprised he's not going to the concert with you. No, I don't want him to come to the concert with me either because he wouldn't get it. I'm dragging David. I'm like, you need to come. And he's like, okay. <laughs> I'm going with friends that want to go though. So it'll be fun. <laughs> I mean, that'll be, that'll be really fun. Yeah. All right. Maroon. What do you think? I rated that as number eight. Okay. Also, listen to King of My Heart, then listen to Maroon. You know why? No. Same beat. Hmm. Same backbeat. You hear it. In King of My Heart, if you listen to it fully or if you, like, listen to the first verse slash chorus, Mm -hmm. then, um, like, kind of, like, listen to the backbeat of it. Mm -hmm. Then go to Maroon and hear it and it pops up. Hmm. Because it's it's definitely about Joe, obviously. So anything that's going to involve Joe, we're going to put this beat right here. You think so? I think so because she's done that before. Mm. Not I don't think with beats. Well, mm, she's done it more with lyrics, I think. Like, she brings back, like, certain lyrics mm-hmm. in certain songs. But I think in this case, I mean, she kind of does this, like, in her music in general. 
But um, in this case, yeah, because she's been together with, like, Joe Alwyn for, like, a very long time. I want to say, like, six years now. Mm-hmm. Seven years, maybe? And so, like... She's with him currently, right? Yeah. But, like, Reputation is kind of, like, this, like, album where it is about, like, some of the, like, people she dated before she dated him. Mm-hmm. But And a lot of the album is, like, you know, like, them and their relationship being really private. Mm-hmm. But King of My Heart, I think... I don't know. I never, I did not like Reputation as much when it first came out. Oh, I loved Reputation. I liked certain songs from Reputation, but I just didn't like it as much. I like it. I love it now. Mm -hmm. King of My Heart didn't really like. Stand out. Yeah, it didn't stand out. And then I watched a YouTube video of her like playing it on guitar, just singing it. Like she was like at a friend's like engagement party and Mm -hmm. someone was like, can you sing this song for us? And she was like, sure, because it was their favorite song. That's cute. And I thought it was like so sweet and I listened to it and then I was like you know what maybe maybe I'm not giving this song some justice mm-hmm. but that song is basically just more about like if you listen to the lyrics it's about how he's the king of my heart I don't know you need like just like listening to the lyrics it's just it just makes sense like Joe is my person this is my one he's the king of my heart this is my soulmate and then Maroon if you go to Midnight's Maroon kind of talks about like their experiences together maybe before they started dating mm-hmm. but I mean, if you listen to the lyrics, it's just like, and I chose you, the one I've been dreaming of, or whatever like that. I like your singing voice. <laughs> I just, I just, I, I listen too much to Taylor Swift, but the lyrics in Maroon are very similar, or they kind of like have a similar context to King of My Heart. So it makes sense why that backbeat is in there. I'm sorry. I'm super nerdy. <laughs> I go on Reddit and I'm in a hole all the time. It's a great place to be in. <laughs> That was a really long spiel. You can, like, take some of that shit out if, like... <laughs> I never gave you my rating for Maroon because you've been talking about it. What is the rating for Maroon now that I'm, like, giving you my whole freaking tag talk on this? <laughs> my rating is an 11. <laughs> All right. Because it kind of scared me when I listened to it. Why? Is it because it's the color maroon? No, I I like the color maroon. It was just, I don't know, it was spooky. I think the synthesizer... The synthesizer Ooh. or the keyboard are in it that's constantly going from like tonic to scale degree seven. <laughs> kind of freaked me out. It's like <laughs> the whole time it just freaks me out. Or it used to freak me out. I'm also trying to figure out the keys and tempos for each song. I haven't found that for Maroon yet, but I will find that out for you. <laughs> that way. <laughs> I won't play that song for you. Yeah, I don't know. It just seemed like a I scary won't play that song. song. It's a scary it, it definitely wasn't something that I... <laughs> I like how you're laughing because you, like, really read into it. And I'm like, yeah, this one was just spooky. I think it's just so funny because, like, it's, like, the opposite of spooky. I don't know. Oh, Vivi. Vivi? Oh, yeah. He's on the couch. There he is. So, um, yeah, if you want to comfort us uh, with money, consider joining that. If you can't donate... To our Patreon, you can always rate and review us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, and that's free. You can also follow us on social media. I'm at BM Ross Music, Catherine's at Catherine's Flute. And follow us at, at Fiddle and Pipe on Instagram. If you want to follow us on TikTok, we are also at Fiddle and Pipe. And if you're on Facebook, Fiddle and Pipe Forum. We're everywhere, so, um. We really are. Yeah. Is that it? That is it. Adios. We'll see y'all next week. Bye. Bye.